A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, beginning with the first chapter, the 14th verse. Now after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And again, going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets, and immediately called to them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with a hired servants and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I speak to you in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So today, for the second week in a row, we look at Jesus' initial calling to his first disciples. Last week, the lectionary had us look at Jesus' calling of Philip and Nathaniel from John's gospel. But today, we read what had, according to John, happened the day before that, when Jesus calls four fishermen, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, followed by James and his brother John. So this passage opens with Mark explaining that after John the Baptist had been arrested, Jesus came proclaiming the gospel, that is the good news, that the time had come that the kingdom of God was at hand. So he called people to repent and believe the good news. But then Mark follows this, these first two verses, by providing four examples, two sets of brothers who model what Jesus meant and what Jesus was calling people to do with this proclamation. And the first two Jesus calls are brothers Simon and Andrew. Now the setting is the Sea of Galilee, a lake that spans 64 square miles in the northern part of Israel, where Jesus would do much of his ministry. He'd do much of his ministry around or near the Sea of Galilee in the upcoming years. And Jesus is passing by when Simon and Andrew are fishing not too far offshore. They're casting a net into the sea. Now, just to give a little background here, there, there are about five different types of nets or approaches to fishing that were known for being used in these waters during the first century. And here, Mark is referring in the Greek to the use of a circular casting net that was usually about 10 to 15 feet wide. It had weights on the outer edge that would sink down rapidly and imprison the fish underneath it. Then there was a rope attached to the middle of that net, which would be used to pull the net up. But this method typically only captured a few fish at a time. Verse 17 says, though, that upon seeing them, Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately we're told that Simon and Andrew left their nets and followed him. Then, going on a little farther, 
Jesus saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending nets. Now in Luke, we learn that James and John were actually in business with Simon Peter, a fishing business. But to describe what these two were doing, Mark uses a term that typically applies to a different type of net than we saw with Simon and Andrew. This would be a larger and heavier drag net that James and John were mending. These had floats on the top and were used in deeper waters, sometimes with two boats. So these Zebedee men were preparing their drag nets, which would include, you know, the, the term for mending include a lot of things. It included cleansing them, cleaning them, mending them, folding them so they'd be ready to go for another night of fishing. Verse 20 says that upon seeing them, Jesus immediately called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Well, hopefully these explanations help you to better imagine what it was like to be fishermen in those days and the setting of Jesus calling here, what the four, these four were busy doing when Jesus called them on that day. But I hope it also provides a little background for my primary objective in this homily this morning, which is to consider what Jesus meant and what these disciples heard, what they would have heard, what would have been brought to mind when he said to Simon and Andrew in verse 17, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, we've heard this. If we've been in the church very long, we've probably heard this hundreds of times. When we think of it, though, we're likely prone to think of this image of fishing for men and women as a sort of quaint metaphor with largely positive connotations, right? However, as Charles W.F. Smith pointed out, first in the late 1950s, to think of this this way, to imagine this as a largely positive metaphor, is to fail to think of the, the metaphor of fishing from the fish's perspective. Smith observed that while fishing is a, conven a congenial diversion and perhaps occupation even for the fishermen, it scarcely is congenial for the fish. For the fish... The fisherman's coming is ominous. However, Smith's observation is not just an example of someone trying to come up with a new or novel angle on this metaphor that's all too familiar. No, there are strong reasons to believe that Simon and Andrew would have heard Jesus' invitation with an ominous tone as well. Because this metaphor was not a new one being introduced by Jesus. Rather, this image is used in multiple instances in the Hebrew scriptures, which Simon and Andrew and James and John would have been well acquainted with as Jews. In the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, God actually uses the image of fishing for people in four instances, three of them that are relevant for me to, enough for me to highlight today. First, in the book of Amos, God is displeased with the women of Israel 
for oppressing the poor. And Amos prophesies that the days are coming when they shall be taken away, these women of Israel shall be taken away with fish hooks. Then the prophet Habakkuk prophesied that God would use the Babylonians as his instrument of judgment, bringing all of mankind up with a hook, dragging them out and dragging them with his dragnet. None of that positive, I assure you. And then through Jeremiah, God says that he would send for many fishers to catch his people out of their natural dwelling places and bring them back into the promised land. But first, repaying them double for their sins. These uses of fishing, the figure of fishing for men, are ominous indeed. So Jesus is really fulfilling a theme of judgment from the prophets and calling his people to and calling people to repent here in this passage from Mark. But for him judgment for sin is a means, not an end, not the end goal. Judgment and a call to repentance is Jesus means to bring people ultimately into the life of his kingdom. So this is not to discount the ominous reality for us as the fish in the scenario. So put yourself in the position of the fish being fished here. Two things happen when a fish is, is caught or when a fisherman is attempting to catch a fish from out of the water, whether by hook or by net or any other means. Number one, they are being taken out of their natural environment. Right? to where their former way of living is useless. Right, Those gills don't work outside of the water. And consequently, consequently, number two, they are sure to die as a result of being taken out of the water. And in this way, this metaphor of being fished for by Jesus is actually very apt. As he does just so, to our natural, sinful way of living that we were all born into. He intends to fish us out of that and put that way of living to death. The difference being that we die to rise again to new life, to rely on him as a spir our spiritual source of life. So ultimately, the metaphor breaks down a little bit. But... Like fish, isn't it true that we tend to use any means possible to resist being caught? That our instinct is to stay in the water, to stay in the only way of living we've known, self-reliance, where we're king or queen of our life, and to resist every effort of the Lord to put to death those natural ways of living. Resist every way to learn, learning to rely on him. So I think this image is helpful for understanding our own journey with God and Christ. Both the resistance that we have to his intentions for us. And yet, as Jesus would later teach his disciples, whoever would save his life will lose it. 
So we may want to stay in that water, our sin may want to, but it's ultimately to our detriment. But Jesus says, whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. So if anyone would come after me, Jesus taught, let him deny himself. Let him give up that old way of self-sufficient living and take up his cross and follow me. We must be willing to give up that old way of living to be, in order to be reborn to a new way of living by and in and through the Spirit of Christ. And part of that eternal way of living that Jesus has fished us for is to live not for ourselves, but to live our lives for the sake of others. I mean, here in this passage, Jesus fishes for these disciples, but it is with the goal of, he tells them, the goal of making them into fishers for other people, of other people. And since them, since those first disciples, apostles, since them has come generation after generation of spiritual fishermen and fisherwomen who have eventually led to you and I being caught. And God has meant to make us also into fishers of people for our own generation in the next. This is not a vocation just for the pastor or priest, but for all who are in Christ, as the Great Commission says. And yet I'm guessing that so many of us often feel inadequate and helpless in this God-given task we've been given. If Jesus has determined to make us into fishermen and fisherwomen of people, I'm guessing we often feel pretty terrible at it. But there again is where I believe the figure of fishing becomes an encouragement in two ways. Number one, if being a fisher of people is not ultimately about conversions, but about helping and accompanying people more and more into an entirely different way of living, which their sinful condition is completely resistant to, and we know it, right? Like fish trying to get out of a net. This should cause us to be compassionate to to when people that we may be trying to love or witness to take steps forward, followed by steps back. We should expect fishing to be a hard, long, lifelong slog. And to have any grandiose expectations to the contrary probably means we're not, we're not doing it right. We're just focused on conversions and not discipleship. But the other point I want to make about it is that we should, it, that fishing for people is something that we should expect to get better at, relatively speaking, and as much as you can measure something, that we should expect to become more and more skillful at it the more we allow Jesus to lead us into eternal living ourselves. 
indeed, what, what really uh, can make us, be, make us usable and more usable for the glory of the kingdom is the capacity to which we grow in our selflessness, in our capacities to listen, to empathize, to seek not to control people. Right? So as God sanctifies us more into the image of Jesus, into the character of Jesus, our capacity to love others into the kingdom, even if in very small numbers, but to do that well and to lead them deeper and deeper into God's love, those capacities should increase. And so a way this passage has often been received that I believe is mistaken is to see the suddenness with which these four men respond to Jesus' call and they immediately drop their nets and follow him and to conclude from that 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 is what it looks like to fish people. That if we're fishing for people, it's gonna look like it looked for Jesus that day by the Sea of Galilee. What that misses though is, first of all, that, that Jesus is Jesus and we're not, right? That his presence was already perfectly selfless, perfectly empathetic, and that he spoke with a love for others and a spiritual authority that was no doubt palpable just when you were around him. And frankly, to a level that we will never fully attain on this side of glory. So be compassionate to yourselves. But also, having expectations that that we would get results as Jesus did on that day misses the decision misses that the decision that these four men made that day was just the beginning. Right? For the rest of their, their earthly life, Jesus would walk alongside them, would disciple them. They, they may have dropped their nets that day, but they were far from finished products in the Lord that day. They were just getting started. It is over a span of time that their lives and hearts were gradually transformed. And that should be our aim as well. Our call is not to convert, to make converts or get people saved. No, our call is to make disciples. And conversion, decisions, that's just one little slice of such a journey. And so our fishing for others should be focused not on even increasing the quantity, the number of people we impact for the kingdom. There's likely a lot of ego wrapped up in desires like that. Rather, our fishing for others should be focused on the quality of our impact on those that we do have influence and authority with. And the way that we can make hay in that direction is by continuing to follow after Jesus ourselves and allowing him to make us more like him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.